Welcome back, everyone, to the Future Footy Podcast, guys. My name is Christian. I'm joined here, as ever, by my three other co-hosts, Aldo, Chris, and Saul. And this week on FFP, guys, not a lot of club football to talk about, but we are knees deep into the international window, so we've got a lot of football to cover on this week's pod. But first, I'll just throw it over to everyone else, see how they're doing, because it's been a crazy week, not in the world of football, but just in the world in general. So, Aldo, how you doing, man? How are you holding up? Good, man. Uh, it's been good. First, uh, the semester started for me this Monday. It's already day three, and I'm starting to hear sounds. All right. <laughs> Chris, what about you, bro? How's school going for you and everything else? Uh, school's going all right. We're getting into the rhythm of it. I did end up catching COVID, so I'm quarantining from work these past few couple days, but I think the worst part is over, and uh, now I just got to wait. Dang, Chris, definitely sorry to hear that. And um, listeners, if you're out there listening, you know, definitely send your well wishes to Chris. But uh, Saul, how are you, man? How's the week been treating you? Uh, you know, it's been a pretty boring week, not going to lie. Not much going on. Well, I don't have much going on, but, uh, you know, I'm doing good. But, yeah, it's just been a boring week for me. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we can get you out of your little boredom slump on this week's episode of FFP, but... As always, guys, we kick off the pod with our biggest takeaways from the week just passed. And I'll kick it off here, guys, because I want to talk about a league that we don't pay a lot of attention to here on the Future Footy Pod. But uh, the Eredivisie, uh, you know, start off the season so well with Ajax top of the table. And then PSV overtook them, and they've been on top ever since. Until this last weekend, guys, when Ajax actually came back to defeat PSV 2-1 and reclaim their position top of the Eredivisie table. So that was pretty cool to see. You know, it's... Actually looking like a race over in the Netherlands, so glad to see that's going on for PSV and IX. But uh, Saul, what about you, man? What's your biggest takeaway from the week? Biggest takeaway, you know, there's a couple. Uh, you know, I could go with the fact that uh, supposedly a uh, Mesty called Carragher a donkey through Instagram DMs. Uh, but I think it's the it might still going to revolve around Barca. I mean. We signed uh, Adama Traore on loan today, pretty big. But the biggest one, in my opinion, is that our forecasted uh, what's called uh, wage bill for next season is going to be at four hundred million. So you know we're definitely going to be able to sign a lot of players, and we're being linked to a lot of free agents that we'll definitely be able to sign. So uh, you know, excited for for the summer uh, for Barca. So yeah. Yeah, man, we'll definitely talk more about, you know, Triore and other transfers when we get on to our transfer segment because uh, what is there? Uh, this is the last week, actually, for the January transfer window. So, you know, a lot of last-minute deals that can be going on. So we'll get into that later. Chris, what about you, bro? What's your biggest takeaway from the week? My biggest takeaway, uh, uh, I was surprised to hear Saul just now say Adama Traore to Barca, which I thought he was going to Spurs. But yeah, I think I I, I gotta say uh, the lack of football this weekend. I think all the top sides are on break, and there's no cup competitions either. So it's gonna be it's gonna be weird to have no football this weekend. What you mean, Chris? There's so many World Cup qualifiers going on right now. African Cup of Nations, bro. <laughs> but yeah, no club football anywhere in sight for a while. Yeah. I don't know. Um, club football for me is just much more entertaining than uh, international 
Yeah. Definitely another subject for another podcast. Uh, Aldo, what about you, bro? What's your biggest takeaway? Uh, my biggest takeaway is, well, for right now, is that Tony Marshall, uh, he did leave on loan to Sevilla for the remainder of the season. So that was bittersweet to see, but I definitely wish him all the best there. And I hope he goes back to his best, which we know it, it, it's a really good form. And hopefully he decides to bring that back to Man U. Bro, let's highlight that Sevilla attack now just for a second. Because after they got Martial, you know, that just adds to the attacking threats they already have. Like Rafa Mir, El Nasiri, Lucas Ocampos, um, Castejo, Tegatito Corona that just came in. Uh, what's that? Papu Gomez. Dude, so many. I don't know, man. That, that Sevilla attack just looks... Ooh, like they're in number two in La Liga for a reason, you know? And, you know, my... I don't think they'll actually catch Real Madrid, but I think they'll finish comfortably number two for the rest of the season. But yeah, guys, that's our own little biggest takeaways slash recaps for the week just passing football. So we're going to dive right into the actual podcast now, guys. And we're going to start right here at home with our CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, guys. Some games just wrapped up. Some are still in progress. But the one that we want to talk about here the most on FFP is actually Mexico's last-ditch effort beating Jamaica 2-1 away at, uh, in Kingston, you know, the capital of Jamaica. So I'll throw it out to you guys. Uh, what do you guys make of the game? Because I have my own thoughts, but I don't want to rant for 30 minutes. So I'll throw it out to y'all. Uh, I, I just say it's, uh, despite us winning, I'd say it was disappointing. Um, as you said, I mean, I could go on a rant for 30 minutes, but I'll try to keep it short. I mean, Jamaica, in my opinion, has a good team. You know, a lot of uh, players that had dual nationalities with them and, other countries have recently like declared to play for them. So, you know, they've been calling up good players. But this game, um, in my opinion, Jamaica just played too scared. I don't like I think they gave Mexico too much respect. In my opinion. I feel like if they would have actually tried to play, they could have actually uh maybe surprised Mexico even bit. You know, uh despite that we still won. But uh and I know some people might disagree with me here, but uh, if we would have lost this game, I wouldn't have put it on Tata, you know? I still don't want Tata as a coach, but in my opinion, we would have lost this. It would not have been on him. I mean, we created more than enough chances to have won, and we just couldn't put them away. And he was also, you know, missing Cesar Montes, who has was arguably our best defender in the last qualifiers. And also without Jimenez, uh, with an injury, uh, and Edson wasn't fully fit to play, so you know he was missing a couple players. But uh, Chucky was out too. Yeah, yeah, Chucky accumulation of yellow cards, so he couldn't play. But yeah, this if, if we would have lost, I wouldn't have put it on him. But uh, I still don't want him to continue. I don't think he's the coach to lead us forward. But yeah, overall, I just say uh, it was disappointing. Yeah, I'll disagree with you a little bit there, man. I know you said some people will disagree with you, and I'm going to do that right now. Um, I think Tata's well, starting... <laughs> All right. No, I just want to say I think Tata's starting eleven could have been a lot better from the get go. I mean, obviously we don't have the attacking players we wanted, but you know, Antuna, even though he's been on okay form recently at Cruz Azul, I would argue Alexis Vega is the only player that really deserves a start there. You know, I would love to see Diego Linus, maybe Orbelin Pineda out on the wing. Um, but Rogelio Finos Mori, man, this guy gets criticized a lot and you know, we can say it's for this reason or that reason, but honestly, he's he's just so lackluster in front of goal. Like, we saw him miss 
so many opportunities in this game and then just get in the way of the play and other players. And I don't know, man, I've, Henry Martin is not the best backup striker either. I I know a lot of USA fans get mad when Greg Berhalter calls up the likes of Jesse Zardes, Christian Roldan, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, players like that. And I feel like the feeling's very much the same when it comes to Henry Martin and Mexico fans. Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, no Johan Vasquez either. Like you mentioned, I would have loved to have seen Gerardo Artaga get the start from the get-go. But yeah, I mean, overall disappointing, dude. I, I kind of wish that we lost the game in hindsight just so that uh, could have been fired <laughs> and ended our misery. But hey, man, we move on. Uh, Mexico um, gets the victory. USA gets the victory against El Salvador. And Canada, I think they're still on top right now. So we are still currently third in the table. And now we get to play our next two games at home. and. We'll see how we do, but you know, not not having the biggest hopes reserved. Yeah, I, I was surprised too to see her. Uh, I think it was Johan Vasquez and Julia Araujo weren't even on the bench. That was really disappointing to me. Uh, I mean, we saw Jorge Sanchez, our right back, go down early, and you know, Julia Araujo. I would have wanted him to start there, but on one hand, I understand because you know it's his first competitive match with Mexico, and you know. I understand he he might be overwhelmed, you know, if he started. But to not have him on the bench, I think, is inexcusable, especially when he decides to play uh, two goalies, when he decides to take two goalies with him instead. That's just that's just disappointing, in my opinion. It's, it's disgraceful. And, yeah, which is still why. as I agree with you. The starting lineup could have been a lot better, which is why I still don't want Tata there. But, um, you know, uh, I don't know. Just disappointing, frustrating, underwhelming. A lot of words could be used to describe how I currently feel towards La Selección. Yeah. Last thing I will say, guys, is the fact that, you know, I touched on it in the beginning of the pod with uh, PSV being on such good form and the Eredivisie. Eric Gutierrez, uh, for the first part of the season, he was phased out of that squad, wasn't even making the bench. But I feel like after he started consent, uh, consistently starting for PSV, that squad got progressively better, and I would have never, if I'm being honest, I would have never counted Eric Gutierrez to make such an impact for PSV, but I really feel like when he started being in that squad consistently week in, week out, they made that surge to the top of the table, and now they are where they are, so I would love to see him start as well, but, you know, another unused sub on Tata's bench. That's the last I'll make, I'll say of that. Although you or the gringo Chris have anything to say? Chris is American. He's probably happy hearing us shit on Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to say that I was looking at the scoreline and it looked like Jamaica were winning for most of the game until the final moments where Mexico pulled it back uh, and ended up winning 2-1. So, uh, yeah, good job for Mexico. And cool. uh, we'll, see for, we'll see for Jamaica. Hopefully they can also qualify, but we'll see. Dude, we're not mentioning the fact that Jamaica was playing with that with ten men for half of that game, and Mexico was still not able to capitalize. And even when they're a man down, Jamaica was able to go ahead. So, man, I just, I and again, I'll go back to Rogelio Funes Mori. I blame him a lot for that opening goal because he, you know, we talked about how his lack of finishing skills in front of the goal, defending too. That man is ass. He just stood there and didn't attack the ball or defend the ball or make an attempt to clear it. And it led to a Jamaica rebound and led to a shot on goal and was a goal. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stop before I get too riled up because I can go on for a while. 
I mean, I think I'll just finish it with one more word. Atrocious. <laughs> Thank you. So should we talk about uh, other qualifying matches going on, guys? I mean, USA, just very quickly, they beat El Salvador 1-0 at home. I mean, the goal came from left-back Anthony Robinson, and he doesn't score much, but when he does, I'd love to see it because that man can pull off the acrobats of a backflip, so that's pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of USA fans were saying that it was a risk playing Tyler Adams or starting Tyler Adams because he is on yellow card accumulation at risk of missing the next match against Canada, which is so crucial. But no, yeah, I got the victory there. I mean, Canada is still beating Honduras as we speak. No Alfonso Davies, but they still press forward with, you know, the likes of Richie Larea, Laren, Jonathan David, Buchanan, so many other players. And uh, yeah, I mean, you guys want to touch on Golden Bowl or anything else? Not really. I mean, I uh, most of the qualifiers are going on at the same time. So, you know, I chose to watch Mexico. So I didn't really get to see any of the other ones. You made the wrong choice. Yeah. yeah, you know, my dad always told me he's just like he's just like all Mexico will give you is disappointments, and he hasn't been wrong. Every year, I think it's our year. I'm like a Cowboys fan out here. I'm like it's our year, and it's just even more of a disappointment. You yeah. part of them boys? No, I don't like the Cowboys. I was happy they lost. Yeah. They're saying <laughs> I like the cow. I'm I'm delusional like a Cowboys fan, you know? Uh, or a Man United fan. Hey, true. Yeah. Barca fans <laughs> now too. We're not delusional. We're realistic. You're really delusional. How are we delusional? Yeah. Bro, give, give you're us excited, an You're excited about a 40, 400 million salary cap. Where is yeah, that we, coming from? Bro, oh my days. We're, we're getting new sponsorship <laughs> which, that are going to be supposedly the most expensive in the world, like the highest in the world. Alright, um, so do you think about another question for you then? The do you think Shabby's a long term plan? Long term solution? I mean well we're clearly backing him. So I I mean despite what I think, it doesn't matter what I think in all honesty. It's just like if the board's backing him then he's a long term solution. Yeah, but I'm not I mean, asking I, I just, you what the board I, thinks. I'm asking you what you think. Um I don't know. I have to see. He's barely been there for a bit. I can't really make a judgment. I mean, that game versus Real Madrid, how he played gave us, you know, I mean, he was a glimpse into how he wants to play, you know? If I'm not and, wrong, I think he's been along now the same amount of time as Coleman was before he was sacked or had a, the same Col- amount of games, something like that. No, and you made the decision not to back him. He wasn't. Dude, Coleman was there for like a year and a half. Shabby's been there for less than six months. What are you on about? Well, I remember, I remember seeing a report that he had the same amount of games. Already. Oh, they, t- they were saying. I think the report you're talking about is that they said the last. I think it was fourteen. Coleman's last fourteen matches, he had the same record as Shabby in his first fourteen matches. Maybe that Something was like that. I am going based off my memory, but still. Yeah, but the thing they don't mention is that he had Messi in those last 14 games. Xavi didn't have him. All right, ladies. Exactly. So Messi was the problem, I see. Getting rid, of Messi gave, getting rid of Messi gave you that 0.2% better in, in the win percentage. Bro, did y'all see that report about Ronaldo? About how yeah. supposed to be tra- transfer yeah, market? Yeah. 
Luis says Cristiano moaned to transfer market about his valuation. He's, and they said we posted a list of most valued players age 33 and older. He sent us a DM saying he is worth much more. We explained our valuation and told him he has the highest value by far in that list. He sent us a few smileys and blocked us. <laughs> There you go. Dude, that guy is something else. Like when he posted on Instagram, he's like, despite my 47 goals this year, I was like, dude, what's this guy on about? Sometimes you got to be your number, your own number one fan. And then his son, did you guys see his son was trending today because he put on a Mexico jersey, so the Mexican media went crazy with that shit? Yeah. His son's delusional as well. Apparently, the, the surrogate that had the kid is part Mexican, so I guess he can, for some odd reason in the future, if he give, becomes professional, he can play for Mexico. I doubt it. I sincerely doubt it, bitch, you know. All right, so since we're on the subject of international football, should we just go straight to AFCON because we saw the round of 16 go on, guys, and the quarterfinals are set, so you guys want to talk about that? Yeah. Cool. So... The biggest match that we mentioned last week on the pod was Ivory Coast and Egypt, and that match didn't disappoint, guys. Uh, it went all the way to penalties where Mo Salah giving me, uh, what was it, 2017 vibes where he scored that last-minute penalty to send Egypt to the World Cup. Uh, he scored the decisive one to send Egypt through to the quarterfinals where they await Morocco, arguably the you know next-best team in the AFCON still remaining, uh, who got an impressive 2-0 victory. Or sorry, to one victory to make it through. So yeah, we got Morocco versus Egypt coming up. Senegal's made it through as well. Cameroon is in there as well. So yeah, those will take place this upcoming weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And yeah, we'll see from there who can progress to the semis. Anything that you guys want to talk about that stood out? Another Man United player misses a decisive penalty in a decisive moment. <laughs> sure, sure. No, but seriously, since we're talking about international, I'm... Um... You know, going out of AFCON, even though it is, you know, heating up, it's, well, it's been heated up since the first game with all the controversy, all the emotions, all the wonder goals. Um, but it is getting to, to the business end of the tournament, you know. So that should be really exciting to watch. But on another note, internationally, Iran has been the latest country to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. So, I ran, you ran, we all ran for Iran. No, I'm just kidding. But congratulations, Iran. Um, I disagree with you, Christian. You mentioned earlier, I think you said Morocco were the favorites. I actually, I'm back in Senegal to win it all now. So, um, yeah, fuck your favorites. Whatever you I think the final is going to be Morocco, uh, Cameroon. Yeah, Cameroon has a good team as well. Yeah, I would love to see an Egypt and uh, Senegal final with uh, Salah facing up against Mane with Roberto Firmino, the special guest referee. Mane Mane went off injured, though. Oh, but he's fine. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's fine. I think he'll be back for the next round. I mean, Senegal is playing versus Equatorial Guinea. I mean, looking you, just telling him to walk it off. Way to go, Chris. All right, so now, guys, we're going to you know, quickly jump over to the club football that went on this past weekend. So 
we'll kick it off, kick it off in the Premier League. And uh, I think the one match that we all want to talk about here is Chelsea versus Spurs. Um, I was, I think, the only one that backed Spurs to get the victory here over Chelsea with them being on such bad form. But no, they came back from that bad form and they were able to beat Spurs 2-0. I mean, that Hakim Ziyech goal was just so beautiful to watch. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed that he's not at AFCON with Morocco, but, you know, he's proving why he chose to stay and help out Chelsea. So, yeah, good on him and a bit of a new change of system for Tuchel. So I wanted to get your guys' opinions on that and just Premier League overall. Dude, I don't think that first goal by Harry Kane was offsides. That was that was a close one. I don't know if I'd say it was offsides, but um, yeah, interesting match I'd say. I think I just watched offside. the I just watched the second half. Um, but I saw the re the highlights of the first half, but. Yeah, I thought I think Tottenham were unlucky not to get a goal, but uh, overall I think Chelsea did deserve the victory. But um, speaking of Chelsea, not to get too off topic, but have you seen that there's supposedly more complaints now that supposedly Lukaku isn't the only player that feels like he's not being. We try to find the report, but um, there was a report that said there was Lukaku wasn't the only player unhappy with. Uh, with, uh, uh, how do I say it? With Tuchel. I guess where he's playing. Yeah, it's either upset with Tuchel or upset with like the position he's playing in. Practically, you know, meaning because he plays a lot of players out of position. Uh, like that could be like a Pulisic who's had to play as wing back sometimes. Or see here it is. It says Lukaku isn't the only one showing signs of discontent. A source connected to one of the senior players paints a rather worrying picture. They claim that the mood among many uh, Chelsea attackers isn't good, to say the least, due to the way uh, Tuchel uses and treats them. So, you know, the first one that definitely popped in my head after Lukaku was Pulisic because of the way he's played. Yeah. You know, he's played us and wing back. Uh, I could also think of Havertz, you know, because... He he may because uh, he plays like as an attacking mid, and that position doesn't really exist at Chelsea, and he's usually used as a striker. I mean, Werner, I don't know Werner. I don't think Werner would complain. I mean, he he's missed too many goals to be complaining. So yeah, but, yeah, it was just interesting to me. But I don't want to get sidetracked in case all these other guys have something to say. Uh. I have something to say about that. I think uh, when you're at a top team that's fighting for the title in the Champions League and you're in all these competitions, you need to play where the manager thinks it's best for you, <clears throat> regardless if it's your position or not. You have to be there for the team. And I think it's kind of selfish hearing what Lukaku and these other Chelsea players uh, are saying uh, when they're helping the team out. Like, I saw an article about Pulisic, but he's happy to play wherever. I feel like he doesn't really have a starting position at left wing. I feel like we see him in the right wing. I feel like he can play in the middle as well. So I think anywhere anywhere where they're available when they can help the team is, is good. And I don't like to see players complaining because they're played out of position. It's kind of, I don't know. Chris, I kind of disagree with you there because 
I mean, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I'll just I'll just say that you know often when managers don't use certain players in the certain positions, it just ends up going going south. You know, we saw this with Antoine Griezmann um, at Barcelona. Um, shoot, there's so many other countless examples where we see managers not utilizing the right player correctly, and that just you know it's it it I don't know how to explain this. Um, it goes against the team's tactics, yes, but I think the team could be organized around quote-unquote special players so much where it facilitate, facilitates that team to operate better, if that makes sense. You know, I think there's certain yeah, players that have exceptions. Like, And I think, honestly, Lukaku might be that player. I mean, maybe not at Chelsea. I mean, at Inter, it was more fitting because he was probably their biggest star, but there's so many big stars on Chelsea. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably just, you know, a little... Little salty about being uh, another fish in an average sized pond, whereas at Inter he was, you know, the fish in the pond. But yeah, I would agree with you there. And then it just brings the question is Lukaku that guy? And at Inter he showed that he was that guy. At Chelsea, not so much. And I don't know, it's just you have to trust in the manager. Yeah. And as soon as that trust in the manager is gone, then it's it's going to be hard to get back from there. So is Lukaku a fraud? <laughs> no, but uh, the whole Manchester United team is. That's a different topic. But I, I was going to say about uh, players being played out of position. Like, I agree with Christian. And then I also want to add the fact that, uh, you know, if you play out of position and then you're not giving the performances that are expected of you or you're not playing good, and then you get benched. It's just like you're gonna be upset because you're like, well, that's not even my position. It's like I was doing that to help out the team, and now I'm benched because I didn't play well there. So mm-hmm. I could see that argument from the player side because you know Pulisic. I mean, he's a winger, and then he has to play wing back. I mean, it's like it's different. It's like similar but different because you have to be like bombing up and down that wing. But but, but. yeah. Well, what I will say, just not to counter that even, but just to add on to this whole argument of Chelsea, um, Callum Hudson-Odoi, <clears throat> excuse me, he's another player that's been played out of position as wingback a lot recently. And I'd argue he's excelled. You know, he's taken to that challenge and proved that even when he doesn't start as a wingback, he starts as a winger and he's able to excel in those two roles. And we saw that this past weekend, getting the start and being very crucial in that game. So, you know, there's some players that rise to the occasion and to the challenge and then others that, you know, just like to complain. <laughs> but... uh yeah, I mean, dude, Chelsea. I, I wish the season was being documented by Amazon or someone. You know, it's. I'd want to be. I'd love to be a fly, uh, in the office or in the dressing room. See what conversations go on there. There's a. There's some other results I want to talk about here in the prem. So I'll just move on. Um, Man United getting the last minute winner once again over West Ham. I mean, Aldo called it last week. How every time these two teams play against each other, it's always very, very close, and that happened again. Wolves getting a victory two one over Brentford. Austin Villa continuing their good run of form since Coutinho, Digne, and now Callum Chambers have arrived. So they get the 1-0 victory against... <laughs> Lucas Digne got the assist for the winning goal over his old club. You, you know, you'd love to see it. Um, Newcastle, upset leads, arguably. Arsenal and Burnley drawing 0-0, as well as Leicester and Brighton. But the one match I want to talk about a little bit is the fact that I called the last week on the pod. I didn't call necessarily a draw, but, you know, I thought Southampton would upset Man City. And they did just that. I mean, I was pretty upset that City got the 
last minute winner or last minute equalizing goal. You know, I was I predicted one nil in the Premier League pick'em, so I was hoping that result would stick. But hey, man, one one isn't bad if you're a Southampton fan. Yeah, I gotta say I was surprised with that result. They came out of the box and they scored a very early goal from Kyle Walker Peters. It was a nice one, I gotta say. But yeah, I think they held their own pretty well, and I. I definitely wasn't expecting such a big fight from Southampton. Yeah, I got to disagree with you, Christian. You said Man City tied it. Like, I'm no City fan, but I am a football fan, and City tying that game was just as out. Like, City was just on them. You know, uh, Southampton, in my opinion, were playing, as I like to call, terrorist football, Uh, just sitting in the back trying to counter them. And and to the credit, they were countering them good. Like, every one of their counters looked like it could have been a goal, but uh, they tied it, and in my opinion, that's justice to the game of football. And arguably, I would argue they would want. I mean, Raheem Sterling, he missed a sitter that I would just, I just couldn't believe, honestly. He missed the sitter. Uh, and like in the first half, I think if he would have scored that, I think that game would have gone completely different, but he didn't. And then uh, Laporte got the tie of the game, and City had opportunities to win it, but I think the Braun had one uh, go off the post. But yeah, I think it was just justice. It was, uh, you know, it was justice for football. You know, City deserved to win that game, and it looked like they weren't going to tie it, but at least they got the draw. Oh, yeah, and then shout-out to the other to the center back, Salisu. That guy was just everywhere. I watched that game. He was just everywhere. Like, he was always making the tackles. Just, he was just everywhere for defense. He was, if, if you didn't play that game, I think City would have ran away with it, honestly. All right, so I guess next uh, we'll move on to La Liga. Uh, you know, a couple entertaining games. Uh, Espanol beat, oh, lost to Real Betis 4-1. They've been in really good form, Real Betis. Uh, Sevilla, Celta Vigo, you know, I thought Celta Vigo was going to win that. They were up 2-0, and then they bottled it. Uh, Tecatito got his first assist for Sevilla. He assisted a, a goal to Papu Gomes, and I got to say that one was that was a beauty of a goal, you know. Beauty of a goal, Papu Gomez. If you guys haven't seen it, I recommend you watch it. And then Atletico Madrid versus Valencia. This this was a good game, you know. Valencia looked like they were going to run away with it. And then Atletico Madrid scores two goals. It was scored three. They scored one. But then the lat, they scored the winner in injury time, which was just, just something else. You know, I was disappointed, you know, because I was like, damn. They should have won, so Atletico Madrid keeps dropping points. But, um, you know, Real Madrid and Elche tied 2-2. But the game I want to talk about as a Barca fan is Barca versus Alaves. Um, what are your thoughts, Christian? Did you did you watch the game? or? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, dude, it's it's hard times being a Barca and Mexico fan. These two teams give you nothing but suffering. But, yeah, I mean, very similar. You know, they come out at the very last minute to get the win. A lot of people argue that, you know, the goal was offside, but if you actually go back, look at it, analyze, and stop it when the ball is touched, it's onside. So, yeah, I mean, could be better. We expect more playing against Alaves, but, you know, I mean, I won't say much. A win is a win, especially with all the injuries that we had. It was nice to see Des playing as right back. I'll say that. Um, So I only, only got to watch, like, the first half and then the last – I don't want to say like last five minutes because uh, 
I had to go to dinner with my parents, but uh, yeah, I was just disappointing. Like that first half was just boring. Like I wanted to turn it off so much, and I'm like, man, if I wasn't a Bars fan, I would have turned this shit off a long time ago. But uh, I didn't. Um, yeah, it was a boring match. I think everyone's mostly disappointed because after that great uh, performance we had versus Real Madrid, we followed it up by two, by two uh, pretty bad performances. You know, versus Athletic Club, we didn't look like ourselves. And then this match versus, uh, I think they're in the relegation zone, all of us, you know, just, and we, we played like that. We just played like shit. It was just awful. Um, yeah, I think that's why people are disappointed. But, you know, our next game is at home versus Atletico Madrid, uh, which I think is what this team needs to play a game at home. I hope that helps them. But, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing by Barca. Disappointing performance, but. Yeah, um, all the results, Rayo Vallecano, you know, they lost versus Athletic Club. They, uh, they've dropped a couple. They, they've been bad for losing three out of their last five games. You know, they've, they were in the top four. They've now dropped down to eighth place. They do have a game in hand, but, uh, you know, their season, it looks like they're not going to be able to hold on anymore. But I guess we'll see. I mean, only positive, you know, Barca won. Now they're up to fifth place. Uh, one point out of fourth place. Uh, um, yeah, I guess that's our big goal this season is to uh, qualify for Champions League. But yeah, I mean, no one else wants to say anything about any of the other uh, results. I guess we can move on. Yeah, let's move on to Serie A, which had other some some very entertaining games as well. You know, Inter getting a two-one victory over Venezia. Um, Atalanta and Lazio tying no-no, which is very surprising there, considering the two attacking powers that those two teams have. Uh, Fiorentina and Calagri, you know, tying 1-1 as well. Napoli continue to be very impressive, actually climbing to second now in the Serie A standings right behind Inter. They got a nice 4-1 victory. Um, Roma as well, beating Empoli 4-2. Tammy Abraham was a star there. But the big game that everyone was looking forward to this weekend was AC Milan versus Juventus, which ended up in a nil-no draw. But... You know, Juve still down in fifth, and like I said earlier, Napoli overtook um, Milan for second place, so Nap- Milan falls to third, Atalanta's in fourth, and Roma climb all the way to sixth, so, you know, they're surging up the table as well. That kind of does it for Serie A. Bundesliga, I mean, usual suspects, RB Leipzig, Bayern, and Borussia Dortmund all got victories there, and then all those favorite league, Liga, I mean... PSG got a nice victory over Rennes and Sergio Ramos. <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing I want to talk about here is the fact that Sergio Ramos has now equalized Messi's goal output for the season. Uh, so, yeah, he got a nice return to the starting 11 with the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Ramos a fraud. I mean, Messi's a fraud. He's mm-hmm. on fraud watch. Both are frauds. Yeah, you know what? The whole league on is a fraud. League on Uber Eats, what a joke, dude. Yeah, we should start that fraud watch on our Twitter account. Anytime someone <laughs> starts to give questionable or suspect results, we just put them on fraud alert. Yes. Yeah, we should be like, hashtag fraud watch, messy. Once again, zero goals, zero assists, and PSG's victory. Yeah. <laughs> 
reconvict fraud watch Cristiano Ronaldo continues to disappoint and yells at his manager this time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, guys, that's uh, that's all the uh, big leagues around Europe covered. So, and we're running kind of short on time, but we got to talk about some of these transfers at least. I mean, I'll just run through some that I've that's caught my attention very quickly, and then you guys can jump in whenever. So well, you probably already mentioned the one that I want to talk about the most: Triore getting a quote-unquote comeback to FC Barcelona. Um, Daniel Was it was picked up by Atletico to replace um, Trips, so that's pretty exciting to see. Callum Chambers, I mentioned a little bit earlier, joining Austin Villa. Uh, and the biggest surprise of the transfer season so far, and I say that in the most sarcastic way I can, Dusan Vlavic joining Juventus. You know, Juventus, you know, pulling a classic um, Bayern move, pipping the best young talent from other teams around the league. So, yeah, that's that's nice. That's exciting. Um, Elijah Moriba is going to Valencia on loan from RB Leipzig for the rest of the season. Uh, do you guys know this Olympics Lyon midf- midfielder joining Newcastle? Bruno. Oh, Bruno Guimaraes. Yeah. Guimaraes. Yeah, he's a promising, promising. He has a lot of potential. He's a promising midfielder. A lot of potential. Yeah. We'll see. If it's him. true, um, that's definitely a good midfielder for Newcastle. Yeah. We'll see if he can make the difference between them staying up. And then, um, what else? There's a few other. Oh, going. Gonsens, Gonsens, you know, the wing back from Atalanta joining Inter. I mean, what a move by Inter. They strengthened their squad and weakened direct rivals, so that's pretty cool to see for them. Uh, Matt Turner, I'm going to bring it stateside now. Uh, Alba confirmed his move to Arsenal. And him and Paredes, Chicago Fire goalkeeper, set to join Wolfsburg as well. Amadou Diallo joining Rangers. And, I mean, I already mentioned in the beginning, but Martial made his move to Sevilla official. So yeah, anything I missed or anything you guys want to talk about a little bit more or any possible rumors that are still out there? Uh, Franck Cassie, the AC Milan uh, midfielder. He's supposedly in uh, advanced talks with Barca. So that's something exciting to see, you know. He's a good midfielder. He's young. I feel like he could help out Barca a lot. So that's a good one to see. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if this has been confirmed since the last time I saw it, but there was that rumor that Jay Lings was going to head off to Newcastle for uh, the remainder of the season on loan. Didn't Man United ask about that? Didn't Man United ask for thirty million loan fee? That I don't know. That's, that's what, what I think. The last time I saw it, it was just a rumor. That's what I heard, and that's why Newcastle so reluctant. <laughs> No, I think they asked for a loan fee, and then they also asked for a fee, another fee if Newcastle managed to survive. But I mean, Manchester, dude, they're just delusional. I mean, I think it was also for Jay Lane's that they said they were asking for uh, fifty million for for him. It's just uh, just ridiculous, man. Fifty million for a player who's a three and six months. I don't know who would pay that. Speaking of Manchester United, also saw rumors linking Donny van de Beek with Crystal Palace and I think Newcastle as well. So That's right. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I don't know, Aldo, do you see the fact that they moved on Diallo um, means that they are expecting to move on other players that they consider Deadwood or surplus to requirements? Well, I think 
uh, I don't want to answer for all the dude, but Diallo, I think he's a prospect, and they're just trying to get him minutes at the moment. So, yeah, he definitely, um, he definitely is a prospect. He's definitely one for the future. Uh, you know, United has a couple of, of young, loaned out players right now, but yeah, I think that's what Ralph is trying to do. He's trying to, you know, get get rid of the right people. Um. In some cases, in other cases, you know, just like with with Thiago, he's trying to get them minutes. He's trying to get them back to their best. Um, but eventually, you know, we already know for sure Cavani's going to leave at the end of the season. Um, depending on how the season co- goes, Ronaldo might go too, which at this point it's fine with me. Um, but there, I would like to see other players go for sure. Chris, are you excited for... Efrain Alvarez, not Efrain, Julian Alvarez, <laughs> joining Manchester City, official. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he's going back to River Plate for the rest of the season. So I think that's good for him. It's good for River Plate, good for everyone involved. And yeah, I haven't seen much of him yet. But from what I've heard online, it looks like people want this guy to be the next Aguero which is big boots to fill. I don't think he'll get there because that's just an amazing feat. But, yeah, I'm excited to see how he does. Hopefully they'll keep him around the squad and he'll grow here with the players instead of getting loaned out. Yeah. I got to admit, I'm, I, don't, I haven't seen this guy play much or looked at his stats much, but what I do here is this guy can – fills so many positions and I think I just hope that for his sake of development he doesn't he commits to one spot for the future because you know we see it with a lot of other players that are so young when they do play multiple positions how it can stunt their development in the one role where they can um develop the highest in so I I hope that for Julian this isn't the case you know and I hope he whether it's that Aguero role or if he takes a wing position which he can play another wing or the central attacking midfield position, you know, I just, I hope he succeeds and um, just commits to one position soon. But yeah, man, really was hoping Barca would pick up Julian, but you know, I mean, how can you turn down City and Pep and playing alongside other players like De Bruyne and um, Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish and just developing there? Another player I want to mention is uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, these past few hours, there's been a lot of rumors. So uh, I'm expecting a move, and I think it's in between Liverpool and uh, Tottenham to see uh, to for who he signs for. But, yeah, there's been a lot of rumors by reliable sources of both clubs these past few hours reporting that he's going to sign with their club. So I think that's definitely one to watch. All right, so that's pretty much it for transfers. I mean, do you guys want to talk about the – Manager merry-go-round that's been going on in the Premier League this season because we have our latest victim. Oh, Who's the latest I victim? Mean... Claudio Ranieri. No way, he's already gone? Dude, I know. <laughs> it's funny because uh, Cisco Munoz was the very first manager to be sacked in the Premier League this season, and he was replaced by Ranieri, and Ranieri is the latest of this list to be sacked. So, yeah, man, Watford, they need to get it sorted out. Yeah, and one season. Oh, a lot of these clubs are seriously taking this new year, new me bull crap seriously. Yeah, dude. I mean, new year, new manager. 
Didn't they? They appointed Roy Hodgson already, didn't they? Already? Yeah, I think it's Roy Hodgson. Dude. Yeah, and then I don't know. That, supposedly, that three 0 loss to Norwich that was that was the last draw for Ranieri. I mean, Norwich bottom bottom team of the Premier League. <laughs> you know, you can't beat them. And then I think Everton. They're also supposedly they're gonna appoint Frank Lampard as their next coach. So. Uh, We'll see how Frank Lampard does. I honestly feel like that's that's a bad job for him. I don't feel like he's going to do good there. But he is a legend of the game, so I do wish him well. I do hope he does well because yeah. Everton fans deserve it. So I mentioned that Munoz was the first one to be sacked. I'll just go through in order from there because I think it's worth mentioning how much craziness has gone on in the Premier League this season. So... Steve Bruce was next on the chopping block, li- chopping block list, um, fired from the Newcastle job. Nuno Espirito Santo didn't last very long at Wolves. Daniel Farke also fired at Norwich. Dean Smith uh, got the sack at Villa. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which was a long time coming. I mean, that was the majority of our podcast sessions about. So uh, he finally got the sack at United. Rafa Benitez was the latest victim before Raineri. But uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. What do you guys make of this? Is it just managers being trigger happy and hitting the the switch too quick, the, the switch too quick, or is it something else going on in the Premier League? What's in the waters of the England shore? No, I, I feel like this happens every season, especially around the winter mark. There's always going to be managers who get sacked and get the short end of the stick, and some of them don't deserve it. Like, maybe Ranieri could have gotten more time. I don't know if he could turn that boat around. But at the end of the day, I think this is what happens every season in the Premier League. In the winter, managers are going to get sacked. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I think the only club that is trigger-happy is Watford. I mean, I think they've had six coaches in these past few years or something like that. I think it was there was a ridiculous stat that came out that said, Something about like the last time Watford kept a clean sheet, they was like six coaches ago. Some something some ridiculous that I saw, which is just I was just like Jesus Christ, dude, what is Watford doing? I feel like I don't know, dude. I feel like I I'm gonna be hired and fired for that job next. That's how that's how trigger happy they've been. But I think most other clubs carefully consider it. You know, I mean Rafa Benitez. I mean that one. Everyone knew from the start it wasn't going to work. So, any last oh, yes. remarks? So here's the stat: it says Roy, Roy Hodgson is the sixth man to manage Watford since they kept the Premier League clean sheet. So, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. All right. Any last remarks or words before we end the podcast for the week, y'all? Check us out on Twitter out. at Future Footy Pod. And yeah, yes. that's out. Yeah, I thought that out for real. And yeah, we'll get that uh that fraud alert started on our Twitter. You know, anytime we see a player disappoint or being a little sus, we'll, we'll put them on an FFP's fraud alert. So yeah, guys, that does it for this week's episode of FFP. The Future 40 Podcast will be back next week for episode 23. And I'm going to keep plugging this. Guys, our 25th episode is going to be very special. So stay tuned for that. Some big changes coming to the podcast. And yeah, stay tuned. Like Aldo said, follow us on Twitter. Or if you're old school and want to send us an email, do that as well at futurefootypod at gmail.com. And yeah, we'll be back next week, y'all.
Adios. We'll see you guys next week. Later, guys. See you guys. See you next week. Stay safe. Chris, I hope you get better from COVID, man. Thank you, brother. Tata out. Tata out.